This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So good to be back here at Celebration. I always look forward to coming here. It's one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, I love your pastor's family, and uh, you guys are just an extension of that. So thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be here tonight. And uh, I, I have something I want to share with you tonight. It's kind of one of those messages where I've got way, way more than what I can share in, in the three hours allotted to me. So I'm going to try and, and do that. Uh, but uh, bottom line is, these are how many of you would agree with me if I said, this world is going crazy? I mean crazy. And at the same time, while everybody around us is, is going crazy, we're supposed, to lo- we're supposed to have a sane mind. You know, we're supposed to have power, love, and a sound mind. And, uh, you know, I, I was reading that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we kind of have a, a way of understanding and maybe walking in that righteousness business. We understand I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I need to be this, and I need to be that, and the Lord helps us to do that. But sometimes when it comes to difficult times like we're in right now, uh, that peace and joy thing is going to take some maintenance. It's hard to stay on the beam with your peace and your joy, but yet in the Holy Spirit, we're we're adjured by the Word of God that, that this is an expression of the kingdom of God and it belongs to us and we can learn to walk into it. Now, I, I don't know about you, but... Uh, when we get into these, these moments where politics become uh, very difficult and when uh, there's disappointment and disillusionment and there's fear and there's excitement and, and people are all over the board, it is, it is a crazy time knowing how to navigate that. And that is what's on my heart tonight to just share with you maybe some things that I've learned or gone through. I mean, we, in our nation... Uh, we went through a, a very down time. I mean, it was eight or ten years of, of just, we experienced uh, some of those kind of things where the nation looked like it was coming apart, where it was falling, just, just falling into despair, and young people were giving up on the idea of ever having a home or ever marrying because they didn't think they'd be able to afford it. We were told that we needed to look at, at, at standards of living that were going to be different and we needed to come and accommodate that and lower our expectations that America's best years were behind it. And it was amazing the, the cancerous effect that that had on people. And people just began to, to be in a malaise. They didn't take chances. They didn't dream. They didn't entrepreneurialize. They didn't, they didn't do the things that they'd always done before. And so we began to pray. All of us that were Christians began to pray. And out of the darkness of those years when literally we had a, a nation that was going into moral malaise and, and our president had, had redefined marriage and, and, and things were just going down the tubes for us, we just literally didn't know where we were going. But you know, God has a plan, and often God picks people we wouldn't pick, and, and things happen that we would never have anticipated, and, and, and lives just happen, and God gives us gifts at times when we need those gifts, and I want to say to you, don't you believe for a minute that your options are only political, because God himself is in charge, and God loves you, and his promises are there. He said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, the end of the age is an interesting thing. You know, we're told 
in 2 Timothy 3.1 that perilous times will come in the last days. Perilous there is an interesting word. It literally means harsh, savage. It means basically a society that is barren of virtues and abounding in vices. I'm not praying for that. But God says it's coming. Secondly, we see over in Luke 21 through 25 and on through 28 that there will be distress among nations with perplexity. Perplexity is a word that means in the original languages without solution. I got news for you. This is not our home. And there's going to come great darkness, but there's also going to come great light. In fact, it's so amazing that when there's darkness, light is more precious. I've, I've seen the illustrations walking in, in, uh, in jewelry stores at times that, that, that jewelers always display their diamonds against black velvet. And they shine lights on those diamonds. And those diamonds then begin to reflect from all their facets beauty that you can't see under normal light. That darkness that is there often anticipates and, and it, it enhances the light that God's giving. So what's going to happen in the darkness is God's going to light some of us on fire. He's going to light churches on fire. He's going to light businesses on fire. He's going to light families on fire. And the darkness that's there that everybody else is living in and accommodating and being part of, they're going to see a great light. And so we need to understand that God has promised that he is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters are going to begin to prophesy. Old men are going to be dreaming dreams. Young men are going to be having visions. It's happening already. It's happening already. And so you and I need to understand that these momentary things that happen. You look at our, you look at our history for the last hundred years. We've fought two world wars. We've had multiple recessions. We've had tragedies of mammoth proportion. We've had storms that have wiped out societies. We've had all kinds of things that have gone on. There is never going to be a time when something is not going on on this planet. Right now, the world's attention is on Zimbabwe. Believe me, if the world's attention is on Zimbabwe, God's most certainly involved in Zimbabwe. There are promises over this nation. You're one of the wealthiest nations in terms of resources and, and, and possibilities and potential that there is on the planet today. It's virtually untapped. And so I just believe that God's got a plan here. I absolutely believe it. So what I want to do tonight in these few minutes that remain is I want to talk with you from two psalms. And it's going to be hard for me to get all this in, so I'm really going to cut to the chase. One is Psalm 37 and one is Psalm 73, so they're reciprocal psalms. And... You know, when, when difficult things come, some Christians uh, think remaining oblivious to the current reality is, in fact, faith. And on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, some live in such frantic agitation that they feel like they're being righteous. So we need to understand that there's got to be a place in here where we can live and, and bear fruit. Uh, but yet, there's a story. I, I, let me give you this little quote. Uh, some years ago, I was in a retreat, uh, leadership retreat over on uh, Mount Hermon Conference Center in Southern California there, or in Central, Central California, and I f saw this on the wall, and I love this quote. It says, when I die, I want to go like my grandfather, peacefully and in his sleep, and not all frantic and panic like the rest of the people in his car. <laughs> this thing is going crazy. 
There's going to be some people that, uh, in the name of the Lord, are panicked and frightened and crazy and doing crazy things and making crazy accusations. And, and there's going to be other people that want to be just so peaceful and so oblivious that they don't even notice what's going on. You and I are supposed to be somewhere in between there. We just need to have our mind with an understanding, clear vision of what's going on. We need to know what time it is prophetically. We need to know what our voice is supposed to be in the midst of all of this. We're not those that run from difficulty. We're those that embrace difficulty because God says, I won't put you anywhere that I will not give you grace to deal with. It's hard to believe sometimes. I have to admit that through, through the last uh, 10 years, there have been times when I despaired of what my children were going to have to deal with. And, and you may be there tonight. But let me just say that God is bigger than we think. You know, the wicked prosper sometimes for short periods of time. But there's always going to be a day when God levels the playing field and does some things that amaze us. So you, you just stick with him. He's going to be good, and he's going to fulfill his promises to us. Uh, if you have your Bible, I, I'm, reading, I'm reading from uh, the New King James Version, which is the version that Paul always used. So I kind of try, try and stick with that. And uh, so if you want to go there with me tonight, I'm going to go very quickly through this. And I want to get to Psalm 73. Um, Psalm 37 starts out by saying, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. The alternative to that is trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Look at the contrast there. There are these people that are getting for themselves what they want, and God says, listen, don't envy them. Don't envy them. They shed blood. They do everything they can do to get what they want, but I want you to be a different kind of people. Trust in the Lord, and you do good. Where others are doing evil, don't, don't mimic their ways. You do good, and God's going to take care of you. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Now, now folks, anger is not bad in itself. Anger Jesus said, be angry and sin not. Anger is the appropriate response to injustice. But it's what we do with our anger. Anger in and of itself can be poison. And we're not to retain it. It's going to happen to us because we're going to see injustice and we're going to be, we're, it's going to rise up in us and we're going to have to know that that's probably a, a proper response. But then what we do with that anger is extremely important. The Bible says don't go with an angry man. Don't, don't be part of that fellowship. I was preaching, Pastor Tom and I were both preaching out of uh, Psalm 1 this morning. 
And it talks about a downward spiral that can happen in our lives. First of all, we, we're, st we're walking, we're standing in the way of sinners. We, where with that is all going on, if you're standing there, you're part of the conversation. You're being exposed to it. You're absorbing it. You're, you're beginning to partake of it. And, you know, like at work, you, you might walk into work sometime and people are standing around a cluster talking and, and you might hear them talking about the boss or talking about this or that. And if you stand around, uh, you're going to begin to be excited in, in a, probably a negative way by what you hear. And then it goes on to say, don't walk with them. Don't walk, don't walk with the, the ungodly. Don't walk in that place. And the walking there literally is a word that talks about being married to. You're, you're part of it now. You're part of the conversation. What you've heard others saying, you're now saying, you're adding to it your feelings and your issues and so forth and so on. And then it goes downward. It escalates downward again until you sit in the seat of the scornful. One of the last and the worst things that can possibly happen to any of us are to become skeptics and become uh, scornful of everything. And when it talks about sitting in the seat of the scornful, it was referring to the gates of the city where disputes were settled. A place where people of authority would sit down and discuss and settle issues that were coming. And with the picture we have here is of the us being those that sit in the seat of the scornful. And we see everything through eyes of scorn. And we literally feel self-righteous and so forth and so on. And the wickedness of all of that is not going to prosper, the Bible promises us. It says, meditate in the law of the Lord day and night. And you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose fruit shall not fail, its leaves shall not fall. And in good seasons and bad seasons. I used to live in Phoenix. And, and you could tell where the underground rivers were because if you're flying over that land, it's all brown and, and, and dormant and so forth. But you'd see these green trees in places. And the reason was because those green trees had their roots down somewhere where there was water. Everybody else was trying to draw from the surface, but these plants had found water down deep where nobody else saw it, where it flows all the time. And said, you know, you're, you're going to prosper. You're going you're gonna to flow. You're going to have blessing day and night. It's got good seasons and bad seasons. And I, I, I've got to say this, that a lot of times we feel like God's blessing us when everything feels good and when everything is going well and when we're profiting and, and everything is happy and so forth. And when the meetings have been good, when we're shouting, when we're jumping, when we're running the aisles. And I say, thank God for all that. But you know what? The sweetest times I've ever had from the Lord were the times when it looked like nothing good was happening. When I was hurting. When I was lonely. And I would, I would resort not to worrying about that, and I'd, I'd go to God, and God would be so present. If your roots are down in the right spot, he will be there for you. And I've learned more about him, and I've grown more through the difficult moments than I ever grew through the shouting times. Come on. Go ahead and say amen, if you, if, or ouch, whichever one it is, because that's really true. There's a grace that God gives us in times that are very, very difficult. And I tell you what, there's going to be some amazing things happen in this next season of life. And right here in Zimbabwe as well as other places. Um, let me cut to the chase here real quick with this particular chapter. Um, let me just give you an outline, if I can, going through here. Uh, verses 7 and 8, don't fret and don't stay mad. Number, verses 9 through 22, get a perspective on the future. This is a basis that should lead to compassion for the wicked. Their future is terrible. It's terrible. 
You know, when Jesus was crucified and when Stephen was martyred, they had a common understanding. They spoke to the Lord, even though they were being abused when they didn't, they didn't deserve it. It was a horrible experience for them, and yet they said, Father, forgive them. Don't lay this sin to their charge. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let me just tell you that a lot of people doing wicked things and a lot of people that are hurting us in many ways, uh, you, you, if you understand where they're headed, if you understand what the future looks like for them, if you understand how long eternity is, something's going to turn over in your heart. Will you be appreciative of what they're doing to you? No. Will it cost us? Yes. But the bottom line of it is God wants us to understand that that person that's profiting by doing this is not a model for us to follow. That person is headed for a desperate place. And maybe it will cause us to have a burden to pray more than the burden to complain. It could be the thing that turns the last revival on. You just never know. Verse 23 I love it, divine guidance. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So there's going to be divine guidance. Number, verse number 24, there's going to be redemption from mistakes. Verses 25 and 26, there's going to be provision. 27 through 29, righteous behavior brings favor. Folks, that righteous behavior that, that I'm speaking of here also includes fellowship. There's, there's a couple of principles I want to drop in your heart right quick. There was a fellow by the name of David McClelland, who's a Harvard social scientist. He said the following, The people uh, with you, whom, with whom you habitually associate, are called your reference group. And these people determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. Jim Rohn, who's a, uh, a personal coach for many people and a trainer, says this. He says, we become the combined average of the five people we hang around the most. I can't tell you how important it is to observe that fact. Because when you're around people, you are going to absorb from them. Many of us are in cultures where we're constantly being uh, negatized, you know, where, where people are negative all the time. We're being confronted by negative thoughts and, and faithless thoughts and, and angry thoughts and so forth and so on. In a season of time when anger is the most popular commodity around, be very, 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 very careful who you spend your time with. Because it will infiltrate your spirit and your heart, and you'll wonder why God is so far away. It is so important that you find role models. That's why church fellowship is so absolutely important. And we need to make sure that in our church fellowships, we don't model what we're seeing out in the world. Edifying one another, building one another, like like. Pastor Taz did tonight with this wonderful young man that was leading the offering. There's nothing better than being edified in the house of God. That's what it's all about. A prophetic word is supposed to be edifying and exhortational. It's supposed to be powerful in building people up. And we can do that. We can do that because our roots are down in a good place. And we need to be careful to manage that part of our lives. Um, righteousness produces durability. Verses 30 through 38, 
In verses 39 and 40, we never outgrow our need to trust in God. Now, chapter 73, this, this is a chapter that I, I have been in sometimes for a while. And this, this marked up in my Bible because there have been days when I have gone here and just needed to spend time right here. This is a story, um, a psalm of Asaph. And it starts out good. It says, truly, God is good to Israel, to such who are as a, have a pure heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful. For when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pangs in their death, that their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge, their faces enlarge, is the way it should read, with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily or proudly. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here. The waters of a full cup are drained by them, and they say, how does God know? And, the here, and there is knowledge in the most, and is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are ungodly, who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. This man is somebody who has been in the house of God. This man is somebody who has uh, seen those that, that trample on God's law, who are violent, who are greedy, who are ugly, who steal, who murder, who do all kinds of things in their culture, and yet they've seen these people prosper, and, and apparently their, 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 their lives are blessed beyond measure. I don't know if there's anybody here tonight that's ever felt that and felt like, hey, surely I've been trying to do the right thing and it's not worked out for me. Surely I've, I've tried to be godly and look at where I'm at and look at where these people are and and, and it's a very difficult thing not sometimes to begin to be envious of those people and maybe even be tempted to copy their ways to remedy the situation, the pain that we're in. And so this man is saying, I'm, this is where I'm at right now. And, and, and he begins to talk here in the next few verses. He said, if I had to talk like this, if I'd, if I, if I'd opened my mouth and shared he said, if I, had, if I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me, too weighty for me, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Folks, the sanctuary of God was the place where he understood their end. The sanctuary of God, in practice, was the place where the presence of God was. Find a place where you sense God's presence. Don't talk about what you're feeling. Don't, don't, don't begin to say, I'd be better off if I was like these people. Don't let yourself go there. Find yourself a place 
where the Spirit of God is moving. Find yourself a private place. Find yourself a place of prayer. Find yourself a place of devotion. You be in church every time you can possibly be there. Get involved in a life group or a, or a cell group in this case here at this church. Get involved in, in training. Get involved in teaching. Get involved in giving out. Get involved in seeing fruit born by the things that God's giving you to do. But do not meditate on how your condition compares to those who are ungodly. It's a temptation. The enemy will come to you as it came to Eve and say, hath God said? Look at this. Look at how this is working out. If you would just do this, if you'd just compromise a little here, if you'd just do that kind of thing, if you would if you'd go with these people, look what you'd get. Don't go there. Go to the sanctuary instead. Find the presence of the Lord. Find, find a, the voice of God. Let the word of God speak to you. And then you will understand their end. Folks, we judge by too, too short a term of time. We like instant this and instant that. And with the, with the invention of the internet and places where we can Flick, we can click on this and click on that. We can have what we want in moments. You can buy what you want in moments. But we don't think anymore about the long term. There are certain, certain societies that, that, build, that build in other countries by thinking a thousand years ahead. There are people that plan finances by thinking a thousand years ahead. And most of us are, are hand to mouth. We're living for what I can get today and what I can do with it tonight. You need to understand the way and, and, the, and the, the destination of people that do not live for God. You've got to keep that in mind. When it looks like everything's working out better for them, you've got to keep that in mind. Because God loves those people too. It just could be. Now, once we understand that what they're doing may have short-term benefit, but it has a long-term deficit. There's no coming back from where that's going to take them. And we need to begin to pray, God, please forgive them. I went through a period of time where I was horribly, horribly, horribly abused by some people. And I, I'm telling you, I wanted to fight. I wanted to expose them. I, wanted to, I, wanted, I had too many people telling me I should sue these people. And I remember the Lord's, I, I, I came back from Africa and my church was in turmoil. Three guys on my staff that I had given positions and I'd trained up, they decided they wanted to take the church while I was gone to Africa. And they set things in motion that I, I couldn't even begin to understand how they could do it. And I stood on the deck at my house and, and just I, I, in my mind I could imagine grass growing up in the parking lot of the church and it just being uh, ab abandoned because it was that bad. And I said, God, I, I've got to, I, I can't let my evil be spoken, my, my good be spoken of evil. And I need to do something. And people are telling me I should sue. And, and, and I definitely have grounds to do so. But the Lord says, don't defend yourself or I can't. It was the hardest thing the Lord ever asked of me. But I'll tell you what he did. He taught me something about forgiveness. I was studying Joseph at the time. Oh. And, and all he went through and, and what God did for him. And I heard a man speaking at Westminster Chapel, I believe it was in London, and he, he was saying, you will know you have forgiven somebody when you're praying that God will not visit them with vengeance. 
and meaning it. I said, oh God. Oh God, I, I, they need to be judged. They need to be judged. And I came to understand that all of us need to be judged. None of us are perfect. None of us have, are sinless. None of us are, are model citizens. They're, the very fact that God gave us salvation when we didn't deserve it, says that sets the bar pretty high. And who am I who have received such grace to be so unforgiving? And I began to grudgingly, with gritted teeth, pray, God, I forgive them, and please do not judge them. Please do not let your wrath come on them. Please, God, and help me to mean it. You know what I'm saying? Because really the truth was, I wish God had come down on them like a bad rash. But as, as I began to do that, my heart turned. And I began to see their families. And I began to see what was happening to them. And I began to see their dreams were crashing around them. And I began to see the ugliness that was taking over in their family. They started fighting each other. And, you know, when you begin to see the cost of that kind of ugliness, you want no part of it anymore. I can't afford to be bitter. I, I can't afford to set myself up as a standard and, and talk down to other people. I can't afford it. Now, folks, when, when it gets ugly, when it gets personal, when it starts costing us something to put up with the ungodliness and the wickedness of people around us, this is when it really gets hard. And this is when the enemy wants to grab you by your heart and turn that heart hard and turn it bitter. And when it's hard and it's bitter, the Spirit of God will be quenched in your life to the point that you think God is a million miles away. But when you begin to act like Jesus did, and began to forgive people that don't deserve it, you began to experience something like you've never experienced before. And I, to this day, to this day, I am so thankful that I went through that thing. Now, am I perfect? No. Do I get angry? Yes. Do I, do I, I, I want revenge sometimes? Yes, I do. But the truth of the matter is, it is such an empty thing it's God's territory. And yet God exhorts us to forgive, to believe the best. And when we begin to do that, it opens us up in such a way that we don't find ourselves cut off for God, but cut, cut off from God. And, and, and we become instruments of his peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, and, and it's, it's a wonderful thing when you are free. Let me just say, when you do not forgive, time stands still. I've literally counseled with people whose parents, who, who they hated their parents for something their parents had done. Their parents had been done for, dead for 30 years, and they're still fired up about it. They haven't, they haven't moved past that incident back there. They're angry at people that are long dead. And the bottom line of it is, when you retain resentment about things, you stay put in that place. So often you don't grow as a believer. So often you begin to wonder why your life is not fulfilled and why there's no fruit flowing from your life. And the bottom line of it is, you have not done what the Lord said. Now, are we supposed to be pushovers and just, just let life run, run over us and let the wicked prosper? No, you're not. 
You know, you need to use wisdom. But the bottom line of it is you can't do anything by retaining the ugliness that's being directed towards you. I hate bitterness. I have found as a pastor for 40 years and more that bitter people are the hardest people to help. And folks, every, every one of us is going to encounter something in our lives, maybe, maybe serial things that we'll encounter in our lives that, that could make us very bitter. And we have to understand that, that it is an action on our part that has to be undertaken to forgive. Because to the same degree that I forgive, I am forgiven. I'm setting the standard for how I can be forgiven. If I show mercy, then I receive mercy. It's a reaping and sowing scenario. And so when we go through something like this, it is one of those moments in life where we are going to choose as a nation, as a church, as an individual, that I am not going to be part of the ugliness. I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to be an open book about all of that. But I am not going to be a resentment center. And God will find us, and he'll bless us in the midst of the mess. He will bless us in the midst of the mess. And sometimes God uses things like this so that a group of people can find some grace and find some power and find some love, and they become something that stands out in the darkness. They begin to be people that people watch and say, how can, how can you be like that? How can you go on with life when this is happening? How come you're so blessed whenever the, uh, when the rest of us are going through this? You see, we have the privilege of walking into kingdom promises, but we cannot have a hybrid in which we use worldly principles and try and combine them with the kingdom. The kingdom has laws. And you know, it's awfully hard to look at somebody square in the face and say, when they have been abused, when something has happened to them that should never have happened, and say, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. Honey, you need to forgive. Sir, you need to forgive. You cannot retain this. But when we do, when we forgive, something happens. And I would just hope and pray at Celebration Church, the Church of Harare, the churches of Zimbabwe, would become places that just resonate with the glory of God. Not hindering him in any way, not quenching his spirit by, by that negativity and that ugliness. It does, they just do not belong to the spirit of God. Is it easy? No. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But like I said before, where are your roots? And everything around you is turning brown and dying when everything else seems to be dormant, when fruit is not flowing, when, when things are not happening to people around you, make sure and check your roots. Where are they? It talks about in that same Psalm 1, a scenario. And in that scenario, it talks about the, the grain coming and, and the, them grinding the grain on the, on, the, on the mountaintops and then the chaff being blown away. 
the, the residue from the wheat through a wind. And let me promise you that even though you're planted deeply, there will come a wind in your life. And I lived in Phoenix. We always planted trees in that desert climate, and we had little watering stations at each tree. And so every day we would water those trees, or every couple of days. And those trees would grow big quickly because we were giving them all the water they wanted. And the problem was that their, their root systems were just going out on the surface because that's where the water was. We'd never starve them, uh, you know, because we're trying to build up a nice yard in a hurry and so forth and so on. And then in August, the winds would come. And when those winds came, invariably, these beautiful trees that we've been watering faithfully and fertilizing faithfully would be on their side with their roots exposed because their roots were only four or five, six inches deep. But some of those trees that didn't have the watering systems had to go find water. And I was talking about that one time in, in southern Mexico, and, and a little lady in a mountain community there came up to me afterwards, and she says, Pastor, now I understand. I understand for the first time. She said, I, I, my daddy was a cabinet maker here in this area. And, and every year, just about, they would go to the mountains and they would find the greatest trees that, that they like to use for the cabinets and they would begin to cut them down. And, and I asked my daddy why they did that. He so that so that we can expose some of these other trees to more wind. And she said, he told me that for whatever reason, the ones that were exposed to more wind had more beautiful grain in them and were more hardy and there were better wood. And, and she said, I understand. And, I, and that made a light go on for me because I was a wildlife and fisheries biology major in college and we studied plant taxonomies and so forth. And, and I learned something, that when, when a tree is blown by wind, it stretches it. And the epidermal layers of that tree then send a chemical message to the roots that say, go deeper. Amen. I got to tell you, the winds are blowing. And you and I need to find the strength to go deeper. Everybody else is looking for the government to take care of them. Everybody else is looking for somebody to come along and meet their need and do their thing. Some people even go to church. They don't read their Bible for a month, and they come and ask the pastor to bless them. There's going to be a blessing. There's going to be a prophet. There's going to be something going on out here that's going to bless you. But if you've got to go from blessing to blessing and never put any roots down, there's going to come a day when the wind's going to blow and the ground is going to dry up and you will have no resources. So next time, understand this. If the Lord allows us to be pushed by the wind or buffeted by the wind or buffeted by circumstances, ah, I remember that gray-headed old man from Missouri said that my job right now is to push deeper. Not to look for support from outside. It's to go deeper. It's to find a resource. It's to find the one who ever lives. It's to find the glory of God because he's very much present among us. He's not gone anywhere. He's not scared off by difficult times and political turmoil. He's not scared off by recession. He's not scared off by fear. He's not scared off by anything. He is what he is and always will be. And if I meet him where he is, I'll be strong. I'll be strong. And that's basically what I have to say to you tonight. I know it's hard. 
I know it's hard when you listen to the reports on the radio, when you, when you listen to the TV, when you drive through city as we did today and you see all these headlines about what's going on, all the turmoil and all the craziness, and when, no matter what side of the equation you're on politically, we're all faced with a real conundrum. The world is faced with a real conundrum. I don't know any place on the planet right now where everything's thumbs up. Because I think it may be a design of God to let us walk our ways and eat the fruit of our own belief systems to the point that we become desperate enough to turn our hearts to God. And what the world needs now is some people that are enduring the storm, enduring the difficulty, and are sinking the roots deep into God and showing that they can make it no matter what happens. That they're not pawns of the world, they're not pawns of political systems, they are they were children of God. So as we close tonight, a couple of things I'd, I'd like to suggest. I'd like to suggest that we all stand to our feet, first of all. And just for, for the sake of closing in on your own situation and not thinking about somebody else I'd like to ask you to close your eyes for a moment just you and God just you and God Father I pray the Holy Spirit would just settle on our minds right now in such a way that we would hear clearly and we'd be able to respond in some way that would please you I'm going to ask you right now to ask the Lord who you need to forgive what are you bitter about? What do you feel like you have the right to be angry about? And ask the Lord to give you a perspective. For some, it's time to, time to lay an ax to the root of the tree that's growing. That one that you wake up with in the middle of the night, that one that you feed on during the day with resentment to people that you can't hardly face anymore maybe it's your government maybe it's it could be anybody ask the Lord right now if there is such a thing that's hindering you it's a wind blowing in your life it's a detriment to you and it would be a wonderful day in the midst of turmoil when you could be really free take just a minute if you would and ask the Lord if there is that thing that place of hindrance. And just take this step tonight. Say, God, I forgive. Lord, I forgive. And help me to thoroughly forgive. Help me get to the point, Lord, where I don't want you to judge that person. You don't have to accept what they've done. You don't have to put up with any of it in the future. But you just don't want to bear that in your spirit. So, Father, tonight, forgive us. Forgive us for assuming your role and looking for vengeance on our own. Forgive us tonight, Lord, for retaining the sins of those that we should release. God, would you help us to be peacemakers, repairers of the breach? Would you help us to be lights in a dark place? God, would you show us how to love with the kind of love that you have? Help us with this. 
And Lord, we pray tonight also, and I pray for this wonderful people, the church I love so much, the pastoral team here, all that you deal with in leading this nation in very significant ways. Pray tonight, God, that you'd give favor. Pray tonight, God, that you'd give a voice that's strong, with full of integrity, full of truth, full of compassion, full of understanding, full of discernment that knows when they're dealing with a demon and when they're dealing with just an ideology. God, I pray that you would make such a mature people that the city would take notice. I pray that acts of kindness will abound. I pray that wisdom would flow from every member of this place. I pray that you'd release supernatural power over disease, over poverty, and over the things that assail this congregation and this city and this nation. I pray, God, that those who sit in the gates of this nation would look to this house for direction. We pray, God, that you would take a situation that looks like more of the same and you would turn it on its ear and that you'd make a deliverance that no one could have envisioned. Give blessing back to this nation. Make it a light in a very, very dark world. Let people see that it's not politics nor governments nor economic policies that make a great country, but that all these things will take on the nature of the kingdom of God to those that would submit. Lord, would you just show the world something that they need to see and show this great people your grace and your glory and Lord, outshine every bit of darkness that seeks to quench it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.